Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, good morning, church. Great to see you. Welcome back for some of you. Awesome to be in the house. What a great time of worship, right? Yeah, all those watching online, blessings on you. So we are in the fall. Well, not fully in the fall, but we are in the fall, right? The kids are back to school. And, uh, and so we are excited to start this fall. I believe that God has tremendous things in store for us. I believe that God wants to work in, in our midst. And he has things that he wants to reveal, things that he wants to speak, things that he wants to do in us and through us. I'm excited to, to step in what God has in store. I know that when we look around, sometimes it's, we say, uh, like, how, what good can come out of this? But I know that God is in control, right? And I know that God wants to do an awesome work. And as we gear ourselves for the fall, we just want to say, God, come and move us. Come and work in our lives like never before. Fulfill your plan because I believe that God has something in store. So we've been, what we're going to do in the fall, we'll be focusing on our DNA. What is our DNA? Like uh, the why of the church and why are we here? What is our calling? So it's going to be, uh, I believe, a great fall. So we'll go through the values and the practices of the church. And, and then we'll try to take a hold of what God is telling us and what he wants to do in our lives. Amen? I would ask you to stand. We're just going to place ourselves before the Lord as we go to his word. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to, to do this, to come together. And what we want, Lord, is to take a hold of what you want to say, and we want to align ourselves with you. God, we just don't want to go through the motion. We just don't want to watch the parade. We want to be participant with you to what you want to do and what you want to fulfill. We know that you're alive and well and your throne is higher and greater. That you make the heavens your throne and the earth your footstool. That you, you are bigger than anything we can ever imagine. And that you choose to be with us right now. So I, I just pray, Father, that we would take a hold of you, what you want to say, I pray that you would go beyond my words and that you would speak life to every person here. So we open our hearts up to what you want to say. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may grab a seat. So we'll be talking about DNA and uh, our makeup. Really, when it comes to DNA, it refers to our makeup, uh, who we are, not the makeup that we wear, but uh, makeup on who we are in the inside and also on the outside. If you look at Collins Dictionary, the, uh, the definition of DNA is an acid in the chromosomes in the center of the cell of living things. DNA determines the, part, uh, the particular structure and functions of every cell and is responsible for characteristic being passed on from parents to their children. And um, so, so here we can see that the key word is uh, that we receive characteristics that are passed on. And some are good, and some are not as good, right? Uh, I know my dad, he had, uh, like, uh, his toes, his little toe was kind of an overlap over his closest toe. And uh, my sisters, well, they inherit the same toes. I didn't. But it was kind of funny to see my sisters not wanting to wear uh, sandals, right? They're always trying to push that little toe back where it's supposed to be. And they got that from my dad. I also have uh, my beautiful hair, 
from my dad or from my mom. I'm not too sure on which side, but I did inherit that. And, and there's some good and bad, right? I look at my daughter and, and my wife, and it's amazing how they have a lot of things in common. Even my daughter does stuff that my grandma, it makes me, like her grandma, made me, it makes me think about her, about my mom. And I look at even with my son, I see them, and, and sometimes it's kind of cool to see yourself and them, but not always, right? Uh, there's things that they catch. I, I know that when it comes to behavior, most of the behavior, they're caught by what they see and what is portrayed, right? Because we uh, habits are caught more than taught. But there's stuff that are given from through our DNA, through our genes, right? Um, and, and it's important to realize that, that we do inherit stuff. And, and at the same time, what we want to take a hold of is we want to nurture the best and, and to grow because growth is linked to my participation where I choose to grow. But at the same time, when it comes to our genes, we know that we were created in God's image. When God made Adam and Eve, he created us in his image. And we know it's not a physical thing. It's more kind of a, who we are on the inside. And so when you see male and female, we have a great picture of who God is because God made us all in his image. So when you look at uh, the, the male picture, the woman picture, how they're wired, it's really an awesome picture of the fullness of who God is. At the same time, when it comes to our DNA, uh, our spiritual DNA, our spiritual DNA is linked to our participation with God. But there's a verse or there's a chapter that we find this thought about DNA in John chapter 3 where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And uh, they're, having, they're having this conversation of eternity. And Jesus says, you need to be born again. And it talks about new birth. So when you accept Christ into your life, like it says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, is that we become his masterpiece. First, I believe that we are his masterpiece to start with in the way God created us, right? It's pretty amazing how we were created. But when you gave your life to the Lord, when you said yes to Christ, when you assimilate the gospel and realize that Christ died on the cross to reconcile us to the Father and you say yes to that gift, what happened is that there is this newness. You receive a new name. You receive a new identity, right? And you are born again. And you, so, so that means that you have uh, the privilege of stepping forward in what God has in store. Like I just mentioned, we become his masterpiece. And... Um, there's a verse that is awesome when it comes to that. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Pretty cool, right? The old has gone and there's a new one. And that doesn't happen by works. That doesn't happen by our own, our own strength. It's a gift of God and we call that grace, right? So we are an evangelical church where we believe that we're saved by grace and not by works. And But what happens when you say yes to God's grace, um, you, you become a new creation. At the same time, the difference between the genes that I receive from my parents and the genes I receive uh, in Christ or the, my DNA in Christ, it's linked to my participation. It's really linked to my participation. Like the Bible says that we're seated in the heavenlies right now because Christ is in heaven, meaning that we're fused with Christ. So when we're living on earth, Christ is with us, and as Christ is in heaven, we're also there with him. It's hard to imagine, right? I don't really get that. But in position, I'm fused with Christ. I'm united. I'm one with Christ. So, so that is my DNA. I have, uh, I have Christ living in me, in my inner man. Christ lives in me by the Holy Spirit. 
At the same time, I'm challenged to walk according to his ways. I'm challenged to follow him. And so it's very important for us to realize that our makeup is, is based on, on who Christ is and what he has done for us on Calvary, and we want to move from there. There's a verse that is pivotal when it comes to putting into practice, when it comes to our DNA. And it's one of the most powerful verses that you find in the Bible for me. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Uh, do you put verses on your fridge? Some of you, you do that? Or somewhere in your house? Uh, well, it's a verse that you should put on your fridge if you do that. It, it, it's, it's written, Paul writes this, Imitate me just as I also imitated Christ. Imitate me as I imitated Christ. And so, so that was kind of his life mission, to imitate Christ. I, I have divine DNA. God dwells in me, and I'm, I'm fused with Christ. But one of the things I need to take a hold of and realize that my calling, it's to imitate Christ. Very simple, right? How am I called to live as a believer? What is my mandate? It's to imitate Christ. And when I imitate Christ... I become contagious because if my focus is to follow Christ, if my focus is to do like Christ, um, uh, imitating means to copy, to mimic, to reflect, to be like, to resemble, impersonate. impersonate. And, and so it's like to be a replica of. And that's my calling and your calling. It's simple, but at the same time hard. My calling and your calling, it's to imitate Christ. I believe one of the things that is happening in the era or the time that we live in, that we lose sight of Jesus, or we lose sight of the gospel, we lose sight of who Jesus is. And I believe that what needs to happen is we need to have a fresh perspective on Jesus, how Jesus lived, what was his focus, what he lived for, what he represented. And when we have a, a fresh vision on Jesus and we have a picture of who Jesus is as we see him in the gospel, it triggers us to do the same. And that's what needs to happen. I believe we need to go back to the simplicity city of the gospel, and that is to imitate Christ. That you get up in the morning and you say, hey, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to live like you. I want to talk like you. I want to influence like you. Here I am. May you have your way in my life. I believe that's a great mission statement. It's not once, right, to, to be born again or to experience God DNA. It's not just one shot. It's something that has to grow and continue to, um, to take room in your life. So it's very important for us to realize that our goal, the greatest privilege we have, is to walk on the heels of Jesus. And I don't want to be this person that watches and looks at Jesus from a distance from the corner of my eye, where I'm living safe, I'm living the life I want, and I'm making sure that Jesus is somewhere, and I, just in case that all this is true, I knew where he is, and if something happens, I can run to him. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to look at Jesus on the back of his head and see him lost in the crowd. I want to walk on his heels. And that's the calling that we have, to walk on his heels, to see Jesus, I want to be the best reflection of you possible. I totally get it that I can't do it on my own. I understand that. It's not by mere power or effort or by a resolution that we do in, in January. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? 
It's God in us. But I need to realize that my mandate, my calling, and your calling, it's to be followers of Jesus, to imitate Christ. And then when I do that, others follow and I, I become contagious. No matter what, I'm contagious for the good or for the bad. But when I choose to imitate Christ and I choose to pursue Christ, there's going to be dividend and blessings from that. So that's what we want to see. I, 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 it's a great way to gauge how I'm living and what is my focus. It's really a picture of discipleship because as we follow Christ, then others are following, and that's what we want to see. The Bible says that we are called Christians, and the meaning of Christians, or it means little Christ. So we're a little Christ, not that we are in divinity part of the Godhead, but that we are representative of the kingdom. We are his ambassadors, and we are like little Christ. Wherever we go, and that's how the church was was, um, was uh tagged by the world. The world looked at Christians and they see their little Christ. And why were they called Christians? It's because they were following Christ. It's because they were imitating Christ. And so that's the main calling that we have, people. Am I imitating Christ? Do I have a picture of who Christ is? Do, am I, am I, am I like... Um, refreshed in my, new, in my perspective of who Jesus is. And it's important for us to take a hold of that. Look what it says in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. It says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to, glor glor uh, to, to, uh, to gratify its desires. Sorry. So it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a possibility of not putting on Jesus Christ, right? It's something that we do. Our DNA is found in Christ, but we need to put that into practice by the, by the influence of the Holy Spirit, but it needs my participation. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Again, it says that we're called to put on. This is the mandate. This is the calling. If you remember one thing about this message is that you would remember that we're called to imitate Christ. And then you go in the gospel and you have interaction with God and you say, God, reveal me who Christ is and help me to live this way. If I go back in my past and I look at people that uh, were unbelievers and they read the Bible for the first time and they read the gospel for the first time and they took the life of Jesus literally, it's a pretty amazing how their life was rocked, right? They read the gospel and they're amazed by who Jesus is and they realize that they're called to follow him. It is kind of a fresh, um, a, a fresh perspective. And sometimes when we've been following the Lord for a while, we forget. Forget. We forget, we lose this picture of who Jesus is. And, and I think it's important for us to, to take a hold of and, have a, and to have a fresh perspective on who he is and to, have, to realize we have his DNA and we're called to live accordingly. There's three things I want to bring this morning when it comes to his DNA or when it comes to, when it comes to Christ, what we want to see in our lives. And there's, I could have added more, but I'm limited in time. So what I did, I did is I took three main characteristics that we want to see in our lives, where we want to grow, uh, where we want to have a fresh perspective on. And the first one is that I need to remember Jesus' calling. Can you say that to your neighbor? I need to remember Jesus' calling. I need to remember why Jesus came. Why did he come? Why was Jesus born 
from a virgin? Why was he born in a manger? Why? Why did he take the form of a slave like it says in Philippians chapter 2? And he, and he obeyed to the cross. Why did he do that? It's because he was on a mission. His mission was to reach the lost. He came to, to minister to the broken, to the people that were sick. He went into Matthew's house, a tax collector. He even went to Zacchaeus' house. He, he, he met with sinners, people that were lost. He, he, he brought healing to the sick. He ministered to the people. Pharisees and scribes did not like him because he did things differently. What he did, he did what his father would do, who his father was. So he was a reflection, of, a reflection of his father. And we see the love of father through Jesus, right? How do we know that the father loves us? Is when we look at Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his son. The expression of love from father God is his son, right? So when we look at the gospel, we see a tremendous love, right? A love for humanity, a brokenness for humanity, a heart that cries out, a heart that is willing to lay everything on the line to see other people come to the truth. And Jesus was the perfect picture of salt and light, right? He went all out. The Bible says he didn't have a place to rest his head. He gave himself fully to see people be reconciled with the Father. He had a heart for the broken. His heart was filled with compassion. So when I look at that, that characteristic of Christ, it moves me. And I'm looking at myself, where's my compassion? Where's my love for the lost, for the broken? How am I looking at the world? Do, do, am I influenced by Christ? The reason why he came, he, he was aware of that eternity was in play. That there would be, like Brendan was pe preaching last week, there's a separation between the sheep and the goat. One day there's going to be judgment, uh, judgment day, and there's going to be this bima seat, this, this central throne where God will separate the sheep and the goat. And some will be separated uh, uh, with God, for, for God, for eternity, and others won't. And Jesus was motivated by that. That's, what, that's why he came. It was to bring reconciliation. Not to overstep the free will of man, because God gives free will, but his desire his, his heart was to be like a, a mother, a mother, a mother hen that wants to gather her chicks around. And that's what we see when he weeps over Jerusalem, right? So, so the heart of Father God and, and that, that, that we see in the gospel is the life of Jesus Christ where he has a passion for the broken and a passion for the lost. We have to remind ourselves why we're here, Amen. We've got to remind ourselves that we're on a mission. You are, if I have Christ's DNA and I am a small Christ, I need to real, realize that what God wants to reveal by the power of the Holy Spirit, it, he wants to arise in my heart a desire to reach the lost. Like Paul says, the love of Christ compels me compels me. I would prefer to stay quiet. I would, pref I would prefer to stay in my comfort zone. I would prefer just to do my, my daily life, but there's a love that compels me, and that's the love of Christ, and we want to see that in our lives. Amen? So the, one of the first characteristics that you find is, is, uh, is the heart for the lost. Look what it says in John chapter 4, verse 35. He's talking with his disciples. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And he says, wake up 
and look around. Wake up, the NLT says it well. Wake up, look around. Wake up and look around. Realize that you have God's DNA in you. And that DNA, it's to be an ambassador for him, for those that are around you. God has placed gifting and abilities in your life, and he wants to flow through you. You have a testimony, and it's called to be shared, because this is a footprint, or not the footprint, but fingertips of, finger, fingerprints of Christ in your life, right? And you can, you're able to share your testimony because of Christ in your life. And there's so much authority in your testimony because you have a, a personal uh, testimony or an encounter that you have with Christ that you share with other people. But here it says to look up and to awake from our sleep. And, and sometimes what happens in life, we fall asleep to our mission. We lose sight of Jesus. I invite you to go to, to the Gospels. I invite you to go back and read the Gospels and say, God, may you give me a rhema illumination of Jesus. May I be grabbed inside with the character of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. And help me, Holy Spirit, to live that out. So I need, it, I need to see it grab me. So the first characteristic I wanted to share was the love, the passion for the lost. The second characteristic that we find in the life of Jesus is his life of surrender. Can you say that to your neighbor? Help me, Lord, to surrender. <clears throat> Can you do that? Help me, Lord, to surrender. That is the second char char characteristic that I'd like to expand on. It's the art of surrendering. Take a look at Mark chapter 10, verse 44. I need to realize that the cross is more than beneficial. I need to realize that the cross is my entry point, right? I would not be a son or you would not be a son or a daughter of the Most High if it would not be from the cross, right? The cross is the way to God. Uh, Jesus carried our sins at the cross and because of that we're made whole and righteous as we assimilate the cross in our lives through surrender and through uh, confession and through admitting our sins and our, and, and our need of being redeemed. But there's also a way of life, and you find that in Mark chapter 10, verse 44. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Food for thoughts, right? Wow. If you want to be the first, you got to be a slave for, to everyone else where you focus on others. In verse 45, and I shared that as at the volunteer huddle a few weeks ago, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he tells us what not to do, to serve ourselves. He, he tells us to serve others, and he tells us the level that we should serve. It's to give ourselves for others. And that was Jesus' mission statement. And that should speak to us, right? You look at having Christ's DNA, you look at being more like Christ, I need to realize that God invites me to serve. And when I serve and give myself as a ransom for others, where I give myself for the benefit of others, God is being glorified and God uses this for his glory and that's what we're called to be and that's what we're called to do. So if you look at Luke chapter nine, verse 23, this is the mandate where he says to his disciples how they're called to live. And he says, and he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. That's a strong word. And take up his cross daily. It's not a one-time event. But take up your cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. 
and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We see here the call to carry my cross daily. Like I said, it's more than just an event. Like Jesus never said, pick up your crown and follow me, right? Pick up your crown and follow me, but pick up your cross and follow me. It's a big difference between the two. Sometimes what we hear in the Western gospel is pick up your crown and follow me. All the blessings that comes from Christ, take that and, and run with it. Yeah, there's a lot of blessings, absolutely. I cannot deny that there's blessings in following Christ. But one day, listen, one day I will have a crown. But it's not about that right now. One day I, I will hear and I want to hear good and faithful servant. But it's not about that right now. It's not cere the ceremony time to receive crowns right now. The call that I have and the call that you have it's to carry our cross. And to carry our cross, it's not a fun message. I prefer to preach on, hey, pick up your crowns. Woohoo! Than to tell you to pick up your cross. And for me to pick up my cross. And the cross is not a, like there's a song, uh, The Beautiful Cross. Well, the be it's a beautiful cross when you look at the benefit that we get from it. But there's nothing beautiful about the cross. Come on. Uh, you've watched The Passion, right, that was uh, uh, led by Mel Gibson a few years ago. And was it hard to watch it? Absolutely, right? You, you just could take just so much because it's so, so graphic. It's so, so vivid. And when we look at the cross, it's, it, it's, it's, it's grotesque. It's, 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 it's hard. And Jesus says, pick up your cross. And, and the disciples did not even understand what it meant because Jesus didn't go to the cross yet. But the cross talks about death. The, the cross talks about surrender. And this is one of the aspects that we need to see in our lives when it comes to how we live our lives. Do I live a life of surrender to Christ? Am I willing to pick up my cross and die daily to my own desires and my own passion, my own want, and my own rights? Wow. And that's the calling that we have, brothers and sisters. If we follow Christ, if we have this DNA, it brings me to a place where I need to surrender. And like I said, it's not, it's not easy. My flesh doesn't like it. Like when Jesus talks on the Sermon of the Mountain, he says, if someone asks you to walk a mile, walk two miles. No way I'm going to walk two miles. Now, the Roman soldiers were, were allowed to ask a Jew to carry their stuff for a mile. Come on, here, carry it. So you carry the stuff of a Roman so, uh, soldier and how, how Romans were looked at from a Jewish perspective, being controlled, being subdued by the Roman, it's like, right? sorry for that. It's like, do you think, I don't want to walk a mile for you, bud. No way. We're under your oppression. Why should I walk a mile for you? And then you take his stuff and you walk two miles. Imagine how the Roman soldier, how he reacted when he saw this Jew carrying his stuff and looking at him and said, I'm going to walk another mile for you. Are you stupid? Like, I had fun to force you to walk a mile and, and to make you feel under oppression. And now you're going to take uh, my stuff and walk another mile freely? I don't know. That probably made that Roman guy think or soldier think, right? 
But that's, that's what it means. You see, when it comes to taking our cross, it's where we die to self and we say, God, be glorified in my life. And, and to die to self, to forgive, it's not an easy thing when you've suffered injustice, right? You know what it is to suffer injustice. And then you gotta forgive? No way. But you do it because you got Christ's DNA. You do it because you're called to do it. Not because you want to do it. Not because you feel like doing it. Not because, oh, you have the impulse to do it. You do it because you got to. You carry your cross and you go and die. Right? And it's not an easy thing to do. But it's an important concept that we need to take a hold of. The cross was motivated by love for the Father and for others. And this is why we choose to die. This is why we're called to surrender. I need to remember that life springs out of death. I need to realize this. Look what it says in John chapter 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless the kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But, if, but its death will produce many new kernels and a plentiful harvest of new life. Like, if I want to produce life, I, want to, I need to go into the dirt. I prefer to stay on a marble countertop, let me tell you. A countertop, marble countertop, that's where I want to go. I don't want to go in the dirt. So, so the seed is taken and it's pushed down in the dirt. I don't want to be pushed down in the dirt. I don't want to be covered. Come on, no way. I want the crown, not the cross. I want the crown. I want to be on this marble countertop. I want an easy life. I want a, I want a comfortable life. I, I, I want it my way. And God comes and he takes me and he pushes me in the soil. And you might see that as negative, but it's positive because if there's no death, there's no resurrection. You see? But I don't want to go in the dearth. I don't want to go through what I'm going through. And you might be going through a rough time. I'm not saying it's self-inflicted. I'm saying things happen. We look at the seasons that we are in. But what is God trying to convey to me in this season? One of the things that he's trying to do in my life, and probably in yours too, is to die in the soil so that Christ can be glorified in my life. So that's the question you have to have with the Lord. Where does he want you to die? And it's funny because when your mind is offended, when things don't go your way, it's amazing what comes out, right? The bad or the good, right? And so God exposes my heart condition when I am in the dirt, where I am on survival mode. <laughs> I want to come out, right? So, so I need to realize that's part of what God wants to do. And Jesus went to the cross. Unreal, right? I need to re remember that it's not a physical kingdom. Look what it says in John 18. You're still with me? John 18, verse 36. And Jesus answered to uh, Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you a king? And he says, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servant would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. He says, now... Because he hasn't come yet. One day he's going to come on a white horse. And that's going to be a glorious day. And he's going to establish his kingdom. 
But what he's saying to, to Pilate, my kingdom is not from here. It's a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. And then Pilate asked him, therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you see rightly that I'm a king. I'm a king, but not, from this, not in the physical world. Did you know it's the same thing today? That the kingdom of God is not a physical thing, but a spiritual one. It's a, you, you know, by him dying on the cross, it was more effective than for him to, in, the, in, the, in his journey when he did the multiplication of the bread, and they wanted to make him king. He was politically, had a, he, politically, he was on an incline at that moment. Like, he could have said, yeah, it's my time to be king. No, because he realized, listen, this is so important when I tell you. He realized that the kingdom was spiritual, not physical. Wow. And because he saw it as a spiritual thing, he died. He gave himself, and here we are today. It's the same recipe, same recipe for us. To have Christ's DNA is first. First of all, I need to realize that, that, that he loved so much. Secondly, he lived a life of surrender. And that's what needs to happen in our lives. Third point, I need to remember his dependency. I look at Jesus, he left the glory behind, and he took the form of a man, and he relied on Holy Spirit. Pretty impressive, right? It showed us that we can live victoriously, that we can do his will, the will of the Father, not by our own energy, our own strength, but because of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit led him in the wilderness. Um, to fast for 40 days. Mm, come on, right? I don't want to be led in the wilderness for 40 days. He was led in the wilderness for 40 days, and this is where, uh, this is where his ministry started. But he was led by the Spirit. And he showed us that we can be led by the Spirit. So when we look at Christ's DNA, we see the love of God, we see the surrendered heart, and we see the empowerment to do what, they're called to, what he was called to do, that he didn't do it on his own. And i got to let you know that we have a calling, and, and sometimes when we look at our calling, we fall short and we say we can't do it, but it's okay because it's him in us. It's through him that we can do his will. And this is where we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus showed us that we can. So when you said yes to God, and you said yes to the gospel, the Holy Spirit came on you and what you want to see is the fullness of the Holy Spirit arise in you so that you can walk and do what he did, walk like him and do like what he did. Amen? In John chapter 14, verse 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to my Father. Through the church, we can see Christ doing his work. And we want to see that. So he was led by the Spirit. He connected with his Father every day. There's 13 mention of Jesus spending time with Father. In the morning, he took time to be refueled, be energized. Father, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to love today? Had this conversation with Father. You know, probably frustrations too when he saw the Pharisees and the storms that were around him. God, show me what to say. And so he was in communion with the Father. It's the same thing for us. And he made us. And we'll talk more about that this fall on prayer. But what I wanted to share to you this morning is that DNA, our DNA as a believer is found in Christ. And I gave you a little snapshot of the DNA of Christ that is in us. 
and we're called to express when it comes to how I live my life. My challenge for you is that you would go to the gospel and have an interaction with your Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you up to? What do you want to do in my life? When it comes to your mission, when it comes to my surrender, when it comes to my empowerment, or, or let him speak to you in a new, with a, in, in, a, in a fresh way so you can receive a rhema, you can receive life. But it's important for us people, from all my heart to yours, is that we would have a fresh perspective of Jesus like never before. We live in a broken world. There's a need that is in need of the same Jesus that walked on the earth 2,000 years ago. And he's walking on this earth through me and you. That's why the text I read in John 14, verse 12, it's better for me to go because Jesus would be one place at a time. But since we're Christians, if you gave your life to the Lord, you're a little Christ. And, and you will leave this place and you will go in places this week that Jesus couldn't, physically could not go. But he's there through you. Hmm. That's so awesome, at the same time challenging, right? So my prayer is that we would take a hold of this Jesus and we would say, I'm fixing my eyes on the author and the perfecter of my faith. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.